0: much in favor of the counting of points does
1: it work for you no
0: hey everyone welcome back to the run through we're back despite all odds right This is the Figure Skating Podcast, where we're going to run through all the things that make us kiss, make us cry. I'm your host, Adam Rippon.
2: And I am your other host, Ashley Wagner, repeater of basically two programs my entire career. Today, we have a really fun show in store. We wanted to kick off the summer season right. We're going to be talking a little bit about tour life, Stars on Ice. We're going to get into the programs that never really quite made it to competition. But first... We must introduce- We must. We must. The one, the only, not Olympic champion, but now two-time Emmy winner, Sarah Hughes. Sarah, congratulations.
1: Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Adam, for saying we're here despite all odds instead of against all odds, which is the phrase that you meant,
0: I think. Nope. I meant despite. (laughs) Despite the odds. (laughs) We're here the odds. odds. We are. I mean, you are definitely doing that because this is now the the second Emmy that Olympic champion Sarah Hughes does not have.
1: Yes, but she does have a candidacy for elected office, and I don't have that.
0: Which you do not have. No.
2: But you know what? That could be right around the corner for you, Sarah. You never know. All you have to do is- Believe. Try. Apply for office. Despite all works?
0: odds, you could run <laughs> Despite- for office.
2: <laughs> uh, well, before we get into our show, we all have some big news. Obviously, Sarah's news, becoming a two-time Emmy Award winner. I was at her place last week. I saw where the second Emmy will go. She pointed it out. It's a great spot.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I got to see her first Emmy, all shiny and up in its corner.
1: I shined uh, that before you got there. I appreciate that. Yeah.
2: And the best part about going and visiting Sarah was that I told her that because I am pregnant, I am craving clementines. And I showed up and her entire house was filled with clementines. She also temperature controlled them. She wasn't sure which ones I wanted. So I had option for room temp and also refrigerated clementines. And then later that night, because I was surrounded by so many of them, I started dreaming about them. So... Thank you, Sarah, for that experience.
1: Wow. No problem.
0: You really know how to treat a pregnant woman right.
1: That's what people say about me all the time.
0: <laughs> I've, I've said it once, which is the only <laughs> time how many I've times said, you've it. said it. Yeah, I've yep. said it once.
2: <laughs> um, but Adam, you also have some pretty big news. You just returned back to planet Earth.
0: I, Welcome. I did. Thank you so much. Um, my perspective has changed um, not at all. And, uh, yeah, I went to Mars, and so I actually was on the show. (laughs) I'm sweating. Stars on (laughs) Mars, on Fox. Uh, When we're recording this, tonight is actually the premiere, and probably when it comes out, it's the day after the premiere, when everyone can see that I am a legal, recognized by the U.S. government, astronaut.
2: I can't wait to watch. I have heard all of the appropriate behind-the-scenes information that I am legally allowed to hear. And it sounds like it's a great show. Check it out. Uh, That being said, we're going to bring it back to this planet and we're going to dive right on into the off season. So why don't we get started with talking about tour life? Obviously, not every single athlete that's competing on the world circuit is going to go into the shows or right into any kind of touring. But a lot of Canadian, American, Japanese athletes often go straight into the show circuit. And so, Adam, can you kind of speak on what that whole experience was like for you when you were competing?
0: Yeah, I'd love to speak on it. Um, Speak on it. Thank you. Um, So, yeah, basically, I always saw going on a tour as sort of like a reward for having a good season, because if you had a good Mm -hmm. season, you were asked to go on these different tours. There was a few in Japan. There's Stars on Ice. There's um, some throughout Europe. And I always saw this as this, like, amazing opportunity to, like, celebrate your good season with all of your good skating friends and just enjoy. You can perform. You can relax. And I always really, really enjoyed being on a tour.
2: Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I... It, was, it was my favorite time of year.
0: Yeah. You were a tour girl for a long time.
2: Oh, my God. Many, many moons. I think I toured with stars every single year from 2012 all the way through to maybe 2019.
0: That's a lot of years.
2: And it's just it's a really special experience. Uh, I think that there's a lot of reasons why some skaters do go straight into the tours and why some skaters don't. So you kind of have to Weigh your options by the time I was invited to skate with stars. I had just become national champion, and so I had kind of put in the years of work necessary for me to kind of feel comfortable taking off some time in the summer, like the spring summer season, to just go and tour. It's a nice way to kind of coast right out of your season. You're still in competitive shape, you're doing show programs, so it's so much it's lower stakes. It's just a good time. Mm -hmm. And it's also, it's a way to make money because you have to think about how athletes, especially figure skaters, have an opportunity to make money. There are athletes who receive either government funding or you get funding from your federation, um, your Olympic organization. And that funding can definitely help take you through your season as an athlete but you're not making money that way. Skating is so astronomically expensive. And so when you get asked to do these shows, they're actually really one of the only ways that a skater outside of like brand relationships that it's the only way we can really make any money.
0: Oh, totally. It's like also this reward for having a good season also means that you'll be able to fund The next season, because this is where a lot of us would make the majority of our income through the whole year. And so we'd be at a really big disadvantage if we weren't on one of these tours. We'd have to, you know, coach a lot in addition to training a lot. So it's it's really something that's really important to a lot of these athletes. And also, it's a great chance To when these shows come later in the summer to test out new programs, to try different things, to, you know, try different elements that might be difficult for you. And you have like a whole tour to get over the fear of trying a new element or trying a new layout. Um, But it's definitely not the same as training because I would always go. I would always leave a tour being like I'm in the best shape of my life and then come (laughs) home after the first practice and be like, I'm actually LOL in the worst shape of my life.
2: Why does Raph wanna fire me? Why is he so mad at me?
0: (laughs) Again, here we are, yet again, being threatened Um, with a firing.
2: But I think that you make a really good point. Shows like the first show that comes to mind for me is The Ice, which was Mao's show. And that was mid summer-ish.
0: Yeah, like like end of July.
2: Yeah. And so at that point, like skating timeline, a lot of these athletes are getting their programs. Either choreographed around May or definitely within June, and so uh, you would get off your tour. Stars on Ice just wrapped uh, yesterday, actually Sunday, um, and so they're. This was actually a pretty late tour for them. Like I feel like most of the Stars tours I was on ended right around mid-May because mm-hmm. my birthday is May sixteenth, and it was always like one of the last shows on tour. So they're a little bit later into the season. And then you would probably go take about two weeks off. You'd go on a vacation. Like Adam and I would like go take our trip somewhere. And then after that, you go right into getting your programs set. And so where would you usually – who would you typically go work with, Adam, to get your programs choreographed?
0: Well, so also it's like finding this perfect balance of like trying to book out time with the choreographer that you'd like – to work with because right. a lot of the people that you're on this tour with are also going to work with a lot of the choreographers everybody else right. on the tour is where you're
2: with. like fighting for the same two week time slot and you have to one program to choreograph takes like at least three days, but realistically you need to set aside probably four to five, depending.
0: Yeah. I would say, like, okay, if I'm choreograph if I'm choreographing. That's a new one. I'm going to get choreographing of the Year award this year. um but yeah if i'm if I'm doing a program, I know that I need at least three days for a short, and I need at least yep. four for a long. And if I have somebody coming from out of town to do it, I need four for a short, five for long, just to make sure, especially if they're not like l a local so
2: right because you don't want them to have to come back to finish a program
0: no or the worst thing that you can do which have I done it yeah of course I have is leaving somebody with no opening or closing position which is the worst (laughs) part of choreography is the opening and closing position
2: I so I worked with Shaylin Bourne the majority of my like late career and when I tell you that we would spend hours on an opening position, and every every day she'd come in and she would change it. And Shay is like this ethereal, whimsical, like I, I don't know, w- water nymph of a person. Like she's just a magical water person.
0: nymph. Is totally right, right? Water nymph I'm with a, a, a blunt bob.
2: <laughs> she's stunning, but I'm not that person, and um, I would I would want to. It drove me crazy and you would just have to she brings this positive energy and I would be up a wall because I knew at the end of the day with me, it was always going to be two feet on the ice, (laughs) weight over one leg, two arms by my side, looking off into the distance. But did it take five hours to choreograph that every single time? Yes.
0: Okay. well, I'm going to step in here and go. That's not true because Every time you came back with a program from Shaylin, you'd be too afraid to not do exactly what she had choreographed. So I would say everything was very intricate when you would come back with a program. And I'd go, these transitions are just, they're so difficult. And it's one of my favorite things about you is that you always... Um, Never did them. (laughs) Well, they started out with like, this is maybe the most intricate program I've ever seen. And then slowly (laughs) rockers turned to three turns and and Choctaws turned to Mohawks. And then you eventually made it back to where you felt comfortable on both feet. Which
2: was crossovers.
0: But that's, uh, that's also another thing that that's, you know, I'm teasing you, but it's a normal process of like, You try to do as much as you can, and when you're making these new programs, I think the biggest thing is that you do and you add a few things that, like, you have trouble with, and the idea is that you're going to improve, and what a normal, like, process is, is that you see how much you can do, you see what's difficult, and then you try to scale back. So
2: right. There's, like, there's a deletion pro- process. It's so normal because obviously we learn these programs and anything shaded, I would always be just so obsessed, 100% bought into. And then you take that program by itself and it's already exhausting. Mm-hmm. And then you add in a program with triples or quads and it just at a certain point has to be a little bit more watered down. And that's kind of how the process goes. And I mean, the number of illusions that Shay would put into my program every single year, Mm -hmm. like, and by illusions, I mean like the little tilt-a-whirl, like step, head to the ice, foot up, and spin around. That I, when she told me to do them, I looked at her and I said, okay. And I said in my head, I will never do that.
0: I've never seen you do an illusion. Exactly. Huh. That's That's interesting. my
2: greatest illusion.
0: Do you know that um I uh I had a rule with every choreographer that I worked with that um I wouldn't do any lunges in the middle of the program.
2: <laughs> Cause it would like eat up too much of your energy.
0: Of course, I'm not bending my knee further than I have to and then get up and then do more jumps. Are you kidding me?
2: <laughs> I mean, I think that's pretty fair. It like, is that's fair. It's not an orange theory illusions. class.
0: It's a long program. I can't be bringing up the heart rate higher than it needs to go.
2: Right. And you can't be bending at someone else's will.
0: No, you won't bend especially at someone else's will. <laughs>
2: Well, I feel like that kind of organically gets us into this next little bit, which is really why programs kind of shape up the way they do, why we end up using some programs, why you end up seeing programs just completely ditched uh, around, I would say, like July, August, Mm -hmm. and how that even happened. So I think first great point that you brought up, Adam, was that a lot of skaters use the show circuit as kind of this test event for their programs i always really loved skating short programs in shows late in the season Mm because i felt like it was an it was just like the perfect way to be like how is the audience going to like this program do people like it can i skate it well under pressure is it actually a performance or is it just a competitive program and i feel like that was the best place for me to figure out what worked and what really didn't.
0: Oh, and there's this also, it's so crazy where you're like, I have this genius idea. And everyone around you agrees this idea is genius. And you're going, well, that's because I am genius. (laughs) And you work on this program and it's amazing. And you're just like, this is the thing that's going to be talked about for years. Mm -hmm. And then you'll skate it in front of an audience and you'll get off the ice and you'll go, No. I can... What? Immediately. And you know, immediate no. It's so interesting how like the energy of skating something in front of people is so different from when you're like intimately talking about it with your team and even showing everybody like inside your rink of where you're training. Yeah, Just as soon as you get out there, it's a completely different feeling and you you either know that like, yes, I can work on this, it feels mm-hmm. right or you know right away that like, we got to start over, this is not going to work.
2: Yeah, and I think it's also really important to note and this isn't the case with every single athletes like team but some people are surrounded by yes people and that's what they need to feel good in competition and that's what they need to train and so when you have a bunch of people who are like this is the best program I've ever seen this is so good I love this and then all of a sudden you're in an environment where you're not surrounded by your people who owe it to you to hype you up and then you get that real feedback that can be really eye-opening and some people like I don't think we were ever surrounded by yes people. I didn't want to be surrounded by yes people. I wanted to be surrounded by like coaches who would tell me that I was like a terrible skater uh so that I was like motivated. That was
0: positive reinforcement.
2: You know. Yeah, I needed I needed that push though. And that's the kind of athlete I was. Uh and so I feel like a lot of the time when I would doubt something, I think that was one of the reasons for me that like La La Land ended up not making it to competition until my last event was because I doubted something. And then I asked my team whether or not this program was good enough and whether or not it was like the same quality and caliber as Moulin Rouge. And I was told that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so it got in my head. And I think that that's kind of... There's just a bunch of different environments that athletes exist within, and what they need from their coaching team changes a lot. And that can really uh, affect whether or not a program goes the distance. And
0: I also think, like, every coaching situation is different. And what I think for us specifically, Raphael was really into us being independent and us yeah. making our own decisions. So a lot of times we never even told him what music we were using. We would oh, skate yeah, no. a program and I get no feedback right away. Like you would we would really show up with like a brand new program, skate it and and hope Raphael was like pumping his fist or something like yes, right. this is the one. Yes. Yeah. And if you didn't get that reaction, you were like Fuck. Like, what am I? (laughs) Okay. I'm going to call Jeff Buttle right now. Send it back. Send it back. Yeah. And so (laughs) it can be really tough. And so, a lot of times, like, not a lot of times, but I guess there were a few times where I would get a program and it might not be the reaction that I wanted from Raphael, but it was a test in like, did I love it? Did I think it was going to work? Yeah. And if it was, then. I was going to just, you know, take that as motivation to like prove to him that this is something that is gonna work. And, um, yeah. Th- so he-, he really, like, I know I can't speak f- for you, but I know that for me, Raphael really gave me like no sort of creative direction. And so, right. and I actually liked that because I felt like I could go to him if I wanted an opinion. But it helped me reinforce the opinion I already had or it helped me rethink like, okay, should I do this differently? Is everything working here? Um, And um I, I know so like I did a Beatles program in like the 2015-16 season mm-hmm. and Raphael liked it, but I had a piece of music in the middle and it, I think it was like... I I think I had yesterday as the slow part. You did. Yeah. And something just felt like off. And I really liked everything else about the program. And I remember that Raphael was like, yeah, it's good. Like, blah, blah, blah. And something just felt off. And I was like, I think it's this... This piece of music because I didn't like when they when they I speak about the Beatles as when they were yelling at me (laughs) Um, and they would go all my troubles seem so far away, but now they're here to stay. And I'm like, I'm going into a triple axle, which that's a problem. I don't want that problem to stay. I
2: remember you bringing this up to me. And this was one of those moments where I was like, we couldn't be more different (laughs) as athletes because I'm like, my music has lyrics. (laughs) They're they're saying something. And you're like, they are foreshadowing.
0: Oh, yeah. What is
2: going to happen?
0: (laughs) And so I was like, I need a different... Piece of music and as this slow part since it was a it was a medley anyway so I changed it to Blackbird yeah. as soon as I changed it to Blackbird
2: it was so much better it was
0: so much better and it but it just... was a
2: mental change I feel like that's what I saw because the when it was yesterday it worked just fine right it was it was a great piece of music people love yesterday but I think you identify so strongly with what that section of music is saying and you needed just to feel like there was some kind of a shift in that tone and message. And then as soon as that happened, the way you skated that program and that section in particular, I saw a huge difference.
0: I know for me that like I felt like it was light and it was fun in the beginning and Blackbird just felt like beautiful and I could smile throughout it. And that's it just helped me keep an energy like all throughout. Mm-hmm. So like those little changes in a season, they happen because not every time you skate a program, uh, you're like, oh, I have to scrap the whole thing. Sometimes you just need to make like little minor adjustments or change out different pieces of music. So it really like I know like as a skating fan, when you watch these programs, you're like, oh, yeah, they do change and people switch things around. But like it's yeah. it's totally you have to grow with these things.
2: yeah. I I completely agree. And what you're saying was exactly what actually ended up happening with La La Land. And so Adam, you make this point that Raft never really offered us up a lot of creative feedback. Mm -hmm. And the one like across the board, super consistent thing that he represents as a coach that he demands from his athletes is independence. And that was one of his greatest gifts to me. Because his point was always, when you're out there, I'm not out there. Mm -hmm. Like He can't be out there and fix our problems at that point. We need to be self-directed. We need to understand the problems we're dealing with. We need to take ownership of our skating. And that was the best gift he gave me in my career. And so it's not that he told me... This program is bad. You have to change it. But I went to him and I said, this music doesn't feel as big and as powerful as Moulin Rouge. And he goes, no, it's not. Which is just simply, you know, an observation. It's a fact. It just wasn't as big and as powerful. And I would say when I was competing I there was like some duality to me as an athlete because I felt like the persona of who I was as an athlete was very confident and, you know, self-assured. But I was really not super confident in myself and in my skating. And like, Adam, you were a huge help in that because I felt like whenever I felt a little bit lost, I would come to you and you would kind of help me figure out a direction and a plan. And you'd say, all right, Raph is mad at you. This is what you're going to do for your training the next two weeks until (laughs) he's no longer mad at you. And so I think in that moment, I was looking for someone to be like, nope, this is good or you're right, it's not as powerful. Why don't we go back and amp it up with some more instrumentals? And so when I went back to Moulin Rouge for the 10,000th time and I competed it the entire season and honestly, at that point, it was just, it was, it was my third season competing it. I was done. I was done with it. I Mm-hmm. didn't really connect with it anymore. It's like that story had been told. I had done the most I was ever going to do with it at Worlds. And so when I got to the end of that season and I just, it felt tired, I felt tired, I wanted something new, I went back to the drawing board with La, La Land and I asked Shay if we could add in some more instrumentals to make the music bigger. And she had someone... Like add in some drums and add in some just bigger sounds. And as soon as she did that, I heard that music and was like, this is it. This is a huge instrumental piece that I just feel is sweeping through the rink. This is what I want. And then I was so confident in it because we had made that little adjustment and it changed the feeling of the music entirely. And then it was good to go and ready to compete. But like looking back, that's my biggest regret in my entire career is not skating that program the entire last season.
0: I just wish I could have seen it more because I think there's like so many programs or not pro, I, I don't mean programs. There's so many like uh, skates that you've done that like in my mind are like, oh, these are my favorite like Ashley skates. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my fave I think like 2015 US Nationals, Moulin yeah. Rouge, first like first Moulin Rouge round. First iteration. Round one. <laughs> um i i just the red dress obviously like i love the world's moulin rouge as well from that same boston worlds i love hip hip chin chin and Mm -hmm. um i also love 2012 uh u.s national short program
2: oh my god a little jackson pollock moment
0: yeah because that was like the first year that you were like i'm gonna actually win nationals and not just the long program from get coming back from like 12th place in a short program
2: (laughs) my favorite thing to do was be like am I actually gonna get fourth place you'll never know
0: (laughs) (laughs) and also 2018 nationals long program I just think it's just it's so good it's one of and regardless of like the results it's one of my favorite programs you've ever done It just—it's. I love it. I I love Moulin Rouge, and you know what? Maybe yes, you would go back and you skated a whole season, but I'm grateful that you've you skated it at least once and you skated it really well.
2: Yeah, I I am too, and I think that regardless of what happened, it's more I got to end with that program, and it is that program is one of my favorite performances of all time. I will never forget
0: of any skater down
2: on the ice of any
0: of any any skater. skater. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'll never forget kneeling down on the ice though and like closing my eyes and being like, "Oh, I've never started a program kneeling before." <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is fun. That was another thing I always said that I would never do is start <laughs> on knee because my I just didn't want to ice my knees before I no, skated.
2: And I never started my program on my knees. I always skipped that
0: part. <laughs> and another thing about you, I know that this is just turning about like into something about you. Um, but you would like do artistic things that I've never seen you ever do, um, like in competition and it really scared me and i feel comfortable oh yeah you'd like when you were practicing like la la land like you were always like performing it and doing it and practice and then like when you skated it for the first time it was like you took a deep breath and then you closed your eyes and i was like she should really open those eyes like (laughs) i don't think she's ever she's gonna be off balance
2: i was i almost fell (laughs) Oh, um it's hilarious. But one okay. thing I th-
0: one thing that's different about <laughs> you and me is that like when I would practice, I definitely was like giving a competition level amount yes. of artistry. Yes. Because if I didn't do that, I was not like I I was never going to over I was never going to do more than what I had ever done at practice because I mm-hmm. really needed to be like on autopilot. You were definitely in the pilot seat. And we were hitting turbulence, and we were going around mountains, <laughs> and we were avoiding obstructions in the air. Not me. I'm I'm on no. the plane. I'm on a 747. It's on autopilot. You knew
2: exactly what was going to... Adam was one of the hardest peep workers I've ever trained with. And I don't just say that because you're sitting in front of me. I, he would train in so insanely hard, and I would look at that and be like, damn, I should train like that. <laughs> And then wouldn't. Because it's just, it was so, he worked so hard. I loved Um, it, though.
0: That was my favorite part.
2: You loved the the process. You loved training in the way that I loved being unhinged. Um, (laughs) What programs for you never made it to competition?
0: So I, um, obviously, we all know here we're amongst friends. I'm a mess. Pregnant. I'm my own, I'm pregnant and i have to leave actually <laughs> so um i uh am my own biggest fan i'm <laughs> and that's how i get into what we get into next which is i had a program and okay so i think another reason of, to just go back to la, la land for a second i think another mm-hmm. reason is that like there's just this like olympics around everything where it's like it's not a normal season because this is when like so many more people are going to be watching these programs. And so you really want your Olympic programs to be like, this is who I am. To the casual viewer who has never seen me before, I want you to know that this is who I am.
2: This is why I'm special.
0: And so I thought, what makes me special? And I went, oh, it's being about average singer. And so I had a program that um, I sang and it was like so i'll, I'll uh, this is what i was thinking mm-hmm. i'm i'm not gonna win the olympics let's be real right and but i can win the hearts of millions and i thought that i could do it through my voice and my oh, skating through the medium of song through the medium of song also with mm-hmm. the medium of talent and so <laughs> i um recorded this version of of diamonds because i had skated a version of diamonds um by rihanna mm-hmm. um at, and stars are nice because i had tested this this version out and i really liked it but it it, it was too slow i thought to be a full on short program. And I mm-hmm. thought like I can't find the right version and I jokingly was like what if I just like sang it. And then of course <laughs> that was just the jack and the beanstalk seeds I needed to fully grow um a beanstalk to climb up into the um sky. The recording studio. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to climb into the recording studio. <laughs> and um you know, it wasn't it wasn't bad. And I really liked the program. Yeah. Um, But when I talked with like Raphael, you know, he had the same sort of like, it's good. But I think that your club program is like more powerful. And when I thought about it, like, you know, I had I broke my foot that season before. So I my last event was the Grand Prix final. And I Mm -hmm. thought, you know what? Why don't I just repeat these two programs? I had to take like almost six months off. Um, I only skated them a few times. Let's just do the same programs from the year before. I don't need to learn anything new. I can just focus on like my recovery and do the best I can. And I was like, these two really do like celebrate who I am as a person, as a skater. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I just kind of left that program on the wayside. But sometimes I see clips of like the footwork and I did, um I did like a, a lot of this program. Like I did some of it on my own, but then I had Jeff Buttle, who is incredible actually yeah. really do it. And I'm like, Oh, there were like good parts. Like sometimes, do you ever watch the programs where you're like, this is just not going to work. And then you like come past a clip on it on your phone. And you're like, this was actually amazing.
2: <laughs> yes. The program that you choreographed for me in 20, 20- Fifteen season, fourteen, fifteen. Uh huh. Fourteen, fifteen. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, now he's my coach. Now he's my choreographer. Uh, so <laughs> Adam choreographed my short program that season, and it ended up being to the Adagio from Spartacus. And I loved that program. I thought it was really great. But every now and then, I'm coming. I'll come across uh, the clip that we took of the first program that you choreographed for me, which was to a classical song that I literally can't even tell you what it is. And Adam knows exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I was afraid of it because it was a classical piece.
0: Um, it was the third movement from the Rachmaninoff second piano concerto.
2: And I was like, I'm not a Rachmaninoff girlie. I'm not a rock, the rock pressure, girl. <laughs> the 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 Rachmaninoff girlies that have come before me, I just couldn't. <laughs> See myself as one of them, and now looking back, I'm like that program was so
0: good. You know, sometimes I'll like, cu- I'll 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 see that clip, like you know, you'll just be on a plane and you'll be going through every photo you've ever taken from 2012 right. on, right? And um, I'll come past, I'll I'll go back, I'll go past that clip, and I'll see it, and I think because I so badly wanted to do a good job because I was so mm-hmm. honored that you asked me to like make mm-hmm. a program for you. That, like, there were some really beautiful and interesting transitions. And yes. it just, it was so nice. And then Raphael h- heard what music you were skating to. And he went, <laughs> <laughs> he and did. I went, oh. Oh, no. And I was like, let oh, he's no. just going to watch it. But this was your first year with Raphael. And you you came back and you were like, no, we have to change it. And I was like, okay, we'll change it.
2: Yeah. And I said, you know what the world Needs more of. Spartacus. Another Spartacus adagio, actually.
0: Which, had you already skated to Spartacus? Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had already done it.
0: Yeah. Delaware's Um, finest Spartacus. Because you trained in Wilmington then, right?
2: Oh, if you ever want to see one of the world's ugliest dresses, that. I... Go back in time.
0: Don't agree. I cried.
2: I cried when I tried it on the first time. And you know what? It fit the bit, but... mm -mm. (laughs) Mm. The bit being I am gosh I should like know the story of Spartacus but I think it does not go well for the female characters in
0: Spartacus. Mm, I don't think so.
2: No. Um no. also
0: wait so like what's there's another part of like p- putting a program together and I think that you were also pretty famous in doing this. I did it a few times that like sometimes even if a program is good it feels stale and so the only thing to do is to get a new costume
2: every time before you get a new program you get a new costume Mm -hmm. and the reason i had five different moulin rouge costumes in the 2017 2018 season even though i probably only competed it three times
0: (laughs) you still have five because
2: (laughs) because i was like i just need to freshen it up i need a new look a new vibe and a costume can absolutely because it's like the character you're creating
0: totally you put on
2: a new costume you're a new person
0: yeah i changed the cost a cost uh, usually i didn't because i was like that shit is expensive i'll just suck it up yeah but sometimes i didn't suck it up and i did get a new costume and i know that like um uh at olympics i wanted to have two different costumes because i knew that like i was going to do the Team event long program.
2: It's so Ice Dancer of you. I I know,
0: I know. And I was like, I want to give the audience two different takes. I'm completely out of my mind. Because that was a true and honest statement I said. This is also coming (laughs) weeks, months after I went, I'm going to sing in front of millions (laughs) of people. Which, yeah, I can do. But like, I shouldn't do that.
2: Out of respect to Rihanna.
0: Out of respect to professional singers, Everywhere who deserve a platform of a million people.
2: Wait, but who did it first? You or Star Andrews?
0: I did it first. I'm Adam Andrews. <laughs> but Star is a good singer.
2: Star is an amazing singer.
0: I'm not trying to say I'm bad. I'm just trying to say I'm untrained.
2: No, no I, I, Adam would always like we would drive in the car a lot, and Adam would always. You know, when you can hear people singing at the exact volume so that they can hear themselves sing, that would be Adam singing. But he was actually a a, like really decent singer. And for a while he was like, I would always just like love to like perform live. I think that'd be like really fun. Yeah. And honestly, you An no, Anvil you're comes, you're playing, smashes me in You're the head. playing your talent down. You have a great voice. This is now but turned you into you made the right call.
0: Yes. That is I did make the correct call. Yeah. It was very like you like, ut- Oh, but also I did sing.
2: <laughs> drop the single.
0: And um I did sing at exhibitions. Yes. Yeah, and I'll you tell did. you why. I'm gonna tell you why it wasn't because I went oh now's my chance so this is the thing we were just talking about shows earlier and um everybody loves to be a part of the exhibition after a competition because it means that you did well it's great but there's this other side of the sword that um it's you're exhausted and mm-hmm. you don't Always warm up properly. Nope. it's can be very scary. And so, like, I was so worried because the season before I got injured, I broke my foot, and I was so adamant at not getting injured that I was very nervous about the exhibitions. And I was like, I would just like to just rest. Like, please, I just don't want to do the exhibition. I don't want something silly or stupid to happen. And um, I was like, can I just sing the song that I sang? So I used the, like the music and sang at two competitions. I sang at, and <laughs> I, I, so basically I only sang in Japan. <laughs> I sang at an NHK Adam trophy. Adam is a Japanese
2: pop star.
0: 100%. And um, I sang at a Grand Prix final. <laughs> <laughs> where
2: was your, where was your Grand Prix final?
0: In Japan. Okay. (laughs) Somewhere in Japan. I don't remember where exactly, but I sang probably, it was probably more than the Japanese audience signed up for, but I was like, they're just going to be watching skating. They love it. And they're like, why aren't you doing it? I stood in the middle in a leather jacket from Top Man.
2: It was it was a it was a sight to be seen, um, and honestly, it really gave camp. And that brings us into our next segment, which I hope everyone is prepared for. We are bringing back the Ashley Wagner It's Giving Camp Award, and today we want to talk about our each of our individual nominees for the campiest programs of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, we have quickly prepared for this because I suggested this um, before we hit start on the podcast. Yes. Um, and so that being said, I'm going to I'm gonna get us started. And my first program and only program that I want to nominate for the It's Giving Camp Award would be Elena Radianova. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sarah. That
1: thanks. was so close.
2: Uh, tell me. Radianova. Okay. I'm not hearing a difference. <laughs> Radianova. <laughs> Uh, I I really listen to anybody out there who is either a Russian skater or a Russian in general or with a Eastern European last name. I valiantly try and often fail, Um, but I care. So her Titanic program is my immediate thought. It's very good. One of the campiest programs of all time. There were slides. Mm -hmm. There was plenty of dramatic face touching. I, at many a moment, was just thinking it was Rose out there in her purple dress Mm -hmm. just yearning for Jack's life. Right. Um, Yeah. That program
1: was so good. It It was was so good. And it was
2: actually a good program. Like, that's the thing. Sometimes campy programs are not good programs. This was a good campy program.
0: Yes. It was a very good program. I did love it. And it was like when lyrics were first allowed – and she really teased us the whole program until Celine Dion started singing at uh, the end. And she gave us the full satisfaction of a uh, ship that went under
2: under she was under. And I just I loved how big she skated. um the the dramatic reaching just it felt it felt so real. So that would be my my camp nomination. Um Adam, how about you?
0: My camp nomination goes to so um Kurt Browning just finished his I think 30th Stars on Ice tour.
2: He did. This was his last and final tour. Now, I do feel like I have been on a few of his last and final tours, but I think this one is the for real for real last and final tour. I do,
0: which 30 tours is uh, it's incredible, but It's it,
2: insane. But
0: it's made me think of my favorite Program growing okay. up. And I don't know if you'll remember it, but you should, that he did the, this <laughs> clown program yes! on Stars on Ice. Oh, yes. Sarah, you should go back and watch it. It's like, it's iconically incredible. It was just, it wasn't even much music playing, but like, it's so campy. It's so mm-hmm. incredible. It's like, it's exactly what a show program should be. And he did it all with like a red nose and like he'd scream yeah. in the middle. Like it was yes. just – it was so good. It's my favorite, favorite, favorite campy I mean, program.
2: honestly, when you think about show programs from like the 90s, there in, in early 2000s, that was just superior skating. Because he also – didn't he skate too? Um, oh, my God. It was just a guitar and it was him out on the ice in this like white yeah. little <gasps> tank. Yes. Oh, my it God. it was just – the sexiest, just this like raw, very traditional masculine, uh, program that was just so so good. It was. Oh, so I love that program. Yeah, it was. Yeah.
0: He has had so many like obviously good competitive programs, but I know him as like these incredible the show skater. Yeah. His
2: singing in the rain program. Yeah,
0: so good. And also he choreographed mm. Super Hobby, which is another one of my favorite that's
2: camp. That's oh! very
0: camp. Super Javi, I'm done. I'm pregnant.
2: Oh, wait, well then that makes me think immediately of um <laughs> Caitlin and John Luke's Swan Lake program.
0: Yes. Very good camp. That's
2: giving camp. That's giving camp.
0: It is giving camp. Sarah, I'm curious, do you have a program that gives you camp?
1: Um, I would like to nominate Max Aaron's Techno Lion King remix.
0: Yeah, done. <laughs> And the award goes to, yeah, that's incredible.
1: I watched that program. I think he did it, you know, at like a senior B initially. And so the first time I saw it was just like on YouTube at my office. And I, it was like really good. It's a very, you know, it's the original, the initial part of the program is just like the big sweeping Mm -hmm. Lion King Mm -hmm. music. And then, I think in his step sequence it goes into this like techno kind of remix of it of Circle of Life and that sent me into another dimension. It sent you to Mars <laughs> I, and I just came I, back. I was on stars on Mars before <laughs> Adam was. And it was oh. when I saw Max Aaron doing Lion King. That program was so fun and insane.
0: Insane.
2: Okay. I you pulled that one out. Of the archives because be- I was worried for you because before we started this you were like I'm really trying to think and like I'm racking my brain I don't know I was not sure where you're gonna go with this Oh I have I'm one gonna- more I have one go more on I'd like ladder. to add Go
0: Vanessa Guzmanoli 1999 <laughs> she was a jewel thief and she had like just like slinky jazzy music and you could and so the f- like old French skating was like completely Pasadena Playhouse Theater. And so um, she's it's slinky. She's doing this thing. It's like sexy and she's all in black. And then all of a sudden she goes into the middle. She pulls down her sleeve. There's a diamond bracelet on it. She (gasps) skates around for one second. There's like (laughs) alarms that go off like police alarms. And the whole last minute is a police chase in Freaking credible! It's it's. Oh my god! You need to look it Wait, up. The
1: pulling down of the sleeve makes me think of another program I considered nominating, which was Anna Pogorilaya Halloween Weekend 2017 at Skate Canada. She had a disaster Halloween skate of a long program. But that's the so Part her. of it was that she. The reaction to it was I don't care about this at one point on like her third fall. She mm-hmm. got up and like fixed her elbow length glove before she kept skating. <laughs> oh, I
0: can vividly remember.
2: She And I think that got Ashley a medal at that event. It might have. It might have. Okay, she was is one of my favorite skaters to go back and watch because she has such a bad attitude the entire time she's skating, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm obsessed with it.
0: no, I mean it, and the... it's a fact. You can't look at that and go, "Hey, that wasn't bad." She's like kicking no. the ice. she's cursing oh. out her mother. It's yeah,
2: she's flipping off the judges. <laughs> I am obsessed with this woman when she has a bad skate, it's performance art, right. That's true, oh. Pogo. Good old Pogo. I will never forget, I was, and I respect her for this, I was on the ice in my run-through on a practice ice at Trophy Eric Bompard. She's on the same pro, like, ice as me. Now, like, if you're training at your normal rink and someone's, like, kind of in your way, it's totally okay to go, like, heads up or something just to kind of, like, get people aware. There's a way to do it politely and then there's a way to be, like, a complete asshole about it. But I tried to go polite. Often did not achieve that. Now, what happened? I don't ever do that on competitive practice ice though. You just go, right? It's actually, it's very professional. It's very quiet. I'm in my program and I'm going into the let's corner and she's coming around blind into, I think, just like a double axle. And I can, I'm skating forward so I can see her, but it's my program. So I just do like a little like heads up because I didn't want her to hit me. She keeps going. But she sends herself into this massive pop. It's like huge. Slams two feet on the ice, kicks the ice, looks at me and starts screeching at me in Russian as I'm skating by her. And in that moment, I said, you are a thing of beauty to be respected.
0: Right. It was two giant bitches looking each other in the (laughs) eye going, I see you.
2: I see you and I respect you. And I respect you. And I don't know what you're saying to me, but I know it's not good. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I loved it. Um, Well, okay. I think those are really great nominations. I feel like we can definitely always come back to a little campy moment i think skating, we can there are just so many yeah there's just so many and i feel like um, the
0: listeners might have a few so if you have a few that you'd like us to talk about please let us oh, know
2: please send it in or even just like show programs in general or 90s programs or anything that you feel like we need to talk about please send it in we would love to hear uh sarah do we have a fiercer Fluts today <clears throat> i've come up with a few things okay to Great. chat about do we do we have a theme to this fiercer Fluts or is it kind of not at all Love. Oh
0: good. Good. Great for good. all
1: completely. Good. Great. Okay. The first one is on theme with something you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. being on tour, but specifically tour
2: costumes
1: for group numbers.
2: They are more often than not a fluts.
0: Yeah. When when yeah. the budget got cut, um I would say 15 years ago, the they got real fluts real fast.
2: Real fluts. But I will say one of my favorite parts of stars when they do pull out the good ones is they will pull out costumes from the archives. Like back in the day when uh, Jeff used to design them, make them. Yeah,
0: Jeff Billings.
2: Jeff Billings. And in every costume, there's a tag that says who it was made for or who wore it. And so you would get your costumes and you would get to see like who uh, who your dress actually was made for. And so I was usually a yucca girl. So I usually wore all of yucca's old costumes. Oh,
0: that's so cool. I was a Kurt Browning or a Brian Orser kind of guy. Oh,
2: cute.
0: I know. I loved it.
2: Yeah, that was always my favorite part. It's just seeing like inside the tag who the costume is actually designed for. Um, And so when we got to wear the Jeff Billings costumes, fierce, 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 Very fierce, fierce um but you don't always get to wear the Jeff costumes and that's where it kind of becomes a little flutzy. yeah agreed borderline i
1: came across this news on my twitter.com feed mm-hmm. um that the team doctor in russia philip something mm-hmm. is filing a lawsuit against the media for calling him doctor
2: doping mm-hmm. okay well that's a flutz.
0: <laughs> that's so fair <fierce. laughs> Blood. That's so fierce. I love this. Because that's insane because he is Dr. Doping. What? I, I love this.
2: I love that he's acting like it's bad for his brand in Russia.
0: Or that it's like. not his brand at all.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. And also, God. who's
0: the media? Again, incredible work. The media. I'm going to sue the media next. I'm going to see what happens yeah, with this lawsuit.
2: Needs to be a bit more specific. My third one
1: is um, same gender ice dance because we're in Pride Month. I assume you guys saw Maddie and Gabby skating together.
2: That is
0: very fierce.
2: Incredible piece of art I've ever been able to witness. Those two women on the ice together. And I love that they kind of went back and forth between who was kind of taking the lead and. Who was the one who was lifting? Who was the one who was kind of guiding them through the spins? I thought that play of those roles was so cool to
0: see. Oh, I love it. And it was just like, it was just so beautiful. They're so good on their own that like, oh my God, Mm. the partner work. It it was just, it really was effortless. And my favorite part, exactly like you said, was just the, the ease of transition between who was leading and it was just it was so beautiful it's so fierce i
2: loved it i also just loved because i think there is this kind of in any kind of partnership sport like i especially figure skating men have so much more power because there is more there's more women looking for male partners and for two women to skate without the need of a male partner and just look that good uh that was the fiercest thing I've ever seen. So, I think that was really cool. I I'm really excited about what this is going to bring into skating. I think skating is such an old school antiquated stuck in its ways ancient sport that needs to kind of be shaken up in some way and I think this is a great start.
0: Agreed. I love it. I think it's always fun when people challenge the norms.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah, and to do it in that way. There's a really great On Ice Perspectives video showing kind of the behind the scenes of the two of them talking out how they're going to like get into this next lift or where their weight needs to go in the spin. And I highly recommend that everybody go check that out because it's just interesting to kind of hear about their creative process.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. It really, is. it's yeah. a great video.
2: Yeah. Um. Well, with that, Friends, family, figure skating fans, our first summer episode is officially done. Um, A couple housekeeping things next week or whenever we decide that we're actually, I can't make promises. Our next episode, <laughs> everyone's shaking their head. Our next episode, we are going to take some time to really dig into some of the cultural changes that I think a lot of us feel needs to happen in skating. So the episode is going to be, Uh, A little bit heavier uh, trigger warning if you are sensitive to anything that has kind of gone, been going on in skating news lately, just to watch with care and compassion for yourself. Sorry, listen with care and compassion for yourself first and foremost. Uh, But we'll just be getting into a lot of the things that have been going on in skating lately and what we kind of feel needs to happen in order for everybody to move forward in a safe and healthy way.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be a great conversation. It's important to have conversations like this um, so that skating can be a happy, healthy, and safe place for everybody who's involved.
2: Mm -hmm. Exactly. So stay tuned for that. And as always, if you have any recommendations, please send them to us. Either DM us on Instagram. You can find me at ashwagner2010. I am also the exact same handle on Twitter and Adam.
0: Uh, you can find me on Instagram at at, at a rip, and on Twitter at Adam Rippon. And you can subscribe and listen to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. We love hearing from you. So please yes. don't hesitate to reach out on social media um, and let us know what you think we should cover. We love hearing from you. Um, Ashley, I think we did it. We completed we a successful run through.
2: We I'm exhausted. Um And I think it's time for us to say, as Raph would always say to us at some point on the ice, I don't know when, but he would.
0: Come come on, buddy.
2: We'll eventually get that right. Sorry, guys.
0: (laughs) We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.